It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Before I begin this week's episode of Sugar Mom, I would like to ask you to please subscribe to the Sugar Mom podcast. This way you won't miss anything. It'll just automatically wind up on your iPhone, in your podcast section, in iTunes. And if there are other episodes that you want to hear, they'll be there already for you. I must have 50, 60 that are recorded and inside of the iTunes platform. And if you could, just check a couple gold stars if you like one of the episodes you've heard or leave a comment about something I've said. Tell me something you'd like me to talk about. I can do all kinds of research and I guarantee you there are many things that I think just like you about that we can share our thoughts together. Today's episode is this recent cruise I just took. All the shenanigans and antics that went on on this seven-day cruise while I was working. I'm like superwoman. And I went all by myself. Let me start by telling you why I went by myself. Well, it began with a Facebook post. Honestly, there is somebody, a guy that I used to be friends with, had to be 10 years ago. He was truly nothing more at the time than a friend on the phone. I'd never met him in my life, but I was on the air at a radio station in New York City, and every time that I'd be on the air on a Friday or a Saturday, this man would call me on the listener line. And the old rule in New York City is never answer the listener line because anyone that calls you is crazy. I mean, who calls a jock on the air? Basically, I would never answer that phone, but every once in a while on the weekend, I'd pick it up and he would be on the other end of the phone. Odd, but true. We talked about life, friendship, about things that maybe you wouldn't talk to somebody else about, except for that mystery person on the other end of the line. He worked for New York City Transit, so I felt like I could trust him. And before you knew it, I decided to leave New York I wound up on the air in Charlotte, didn't hear from him for a long, long time, and then wound up here in Dallas, where I run a division in radio, jumped from being on the air into management. And don't you know, one day I'm on Facebook, and here is my friend. Ten years later, I said to him, where in the hell have you been? And his response was, I've retired years ago, and I've been on probably 35 to 40 cruises since then. I'm like a VIP when it comes to cruising. And I was shocked. How does somebody that's so in deep with New York City Transit Authority leave it to go on boats and cruises and be so laid back? Because whether you work for NYPD or NYFD or the New York City Transit, those are high-strung type of jobs. He either needed to get away from that kind of life Or he just decided he was done. As we talked, a few days went by, he told me he was going on this cruise and that he had booked a double occupancy, but he had no one to go with. He asked if I'd like to join him. I said, yes, knowing that anyone else that would have been asked this question would have given it serious consideration. Never having met the man, only talked to him a listener, and yet a friend, 
for five years, not hearing from him for 10? And I jumped in and said, yes. But then I asked, well, what would the sleeping arrangements be? And he says, oh, no, we'll roll up pillows and we'll put them between us on the bed. Nothing to worry about. We're just cruise buddies. I just want a cruise buddy to go on excursions with and do fun things with. And the more he'd say it, the more I bought into it. So boom, I bought my air ticket to Miami, which is where we were deporting from. And I was ready to go. It was two and a half months. Now, I'm not a big phone talker. I'm also a very busy woman with five children, a division that I run, and not a whole lot of free time for myself. I talk for a living, which is why I really don't enjoy talking on the phone that much. I'll text, I'll email, I'll have short abbreviated conversations if they're meaningful, but I am not one of those people that'll stay on the phone for a half an hour. And you know how you put everybody's contact information in your phone so that when they call and their name comes up, you know whether you want to talk to that person, if that person's a long conversation person, or a quick, I need to tell you something kind of person. Well, I knew from the day I said yes to go on that cruise, that every time this man would call me, it would turn into a half hour conversation, 45 minutes. And most of the time when he would call, the problem was he's retired. I'm not. I have a million things I'm trying to get done before I go on this cruise so I don't have to work while I'm on the cruise. Every time he'd call, I would say to him, I've got five minutes. You know, my kids are coming into town. I have to take the dog to the vet. I'm working. To the point where he said to me, you know what? The hell with you. You can't even spend 10 minutes on the phone with me and you expect me to buy your end of the trip. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You invited me on this trip. I didn't ask to go on this trip. You volunteered. And now you're going to pull that rug out from under me? That's happened to me so often in the last four years. It's ridiculous. Then I wouldn't hear from him. And then he'd send me threatening emails. And now I'm thinking to myself, look what you have gotten yourself involved with. Robin, are you crazy? Will you ever learn to not be so trusting? And then he'd call back and he'd say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean what I said. I would never not take you on this trip after I promised I wouldn't pull that proverbial rug out from under you. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Because I had no guarantee in writing anywhere that it was my trip to choose to go on or not. He could throw me overboard and nobody would even know I existed. For God's sake. Well, this happened another time, and then two weeks before the cruise, he pulled that shit again. You know what? You can't even find five minutes to have a normal conversation and treat me like a friend. You're going to probably be the type that says, I'm too busy. I want to stay in my room. Go on the excursions by yourself. Well, for goodness sake, if anybody knows me, we all know that I am the type that likes to do new things, try everything, have fun when I can, when the opportunity arises, and to not ever think for me. Nobody can. I am a rare species that thinks outside the box all the time. You can't possibly 
know what's going on in my mind. Not. So he cancels the trip on me. He says to me, you're not going, not on my dime. (laughs) This is the one thing I had been looking so forward to. After going through all the aggravation that I just went through with that man I had been seeing and then not seeing and then seeing again and his wife and all the bullshit that came along with that relationship, which is in podcast, the wife or the other woman, if you want to go back and download that, have a gander and a good, strong listen. Might as well have a good, strong drink with you too while you listen to that one. And then this happens. Well, I am putting three kids through college right now. I certainly did not have the money for this cruise. And it was a wonderful opportunity. I felt like I stepped in shit. You know, I was going to be with a friend. I was going to go do something I've never done before. I was going to swim with dolphins. I was so excited. He pulls that rug out. I sat there and looked at my screen. I got up, put my phone down, went on the PC, and looked up cruise ships and destinations because I had my ticket booked to Miami. And I refused to give in to what this man was going to put me through. So I called a few different cruise companies. I found a great cruise line that had an availability. One room left, double occupancy. I paid for it. I said to myself, I'm going. Nothing is going to stop me, especially not an asshole like that one. So I booked that damn cruise. At that point, you know, sometimes you reach that level in your mind where nothing matters anymore except the difference between right and wrong. And what this man just did to me was so wrong that I refused to allow him to squash me like a bug. Fuck him. I booked the cruise. Yeah, my pocketbook hurt a little bit, but I went. And so now comes the fun part where I get to tell you what happened on this cruise. (laughs) First of all, are you aware that a woman in her 50s is pure target and arm candy for 20-year-old men, mid-20s and lower, love women our age? Who knew? I asked one of them, why would you be wanting to be with me? And now, mind you, he is gorgeous. He's a police officer. He's with his buddy, who's a fireman. And they're both hitting on me. And we're sitting at the bar. And I'm sitting beside a friend that I made earlier who's very gay, very good looking. And I'm having a great time. But I asked the guy, why would you want to hit on someone my age? And yeah, okay, I'm pretty, you know, for my age. But you've got these girls on this cruise that are knockouts. I mean, drop-dead gorgeous. And they say to me, they have too many issues. They want too many things. This, quote, is the new thing, unquote. I looked at them both like they were crazy. I said, you know, there's a song I'd like you to hear called Mrs. Robinson. This goes back years. Do not think that you guys invented this. It's been around for a long time, boys. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not here to educate you. And I certainly just did not want to be with somebody that was in his mid-20s. 
It just does nothing for me. I don't care if it's what happens on the cruise stays on the cruise. I don't want to be with somebody that is half my age. I just don't. And when he finally realized that I was serious, that I really just had no interest, he says to me, I'm going over to the so-and-so bar. Look for me later. I looked at him like he was out of control. I said to him, you need to understand something. I never look for a man. And when I said those words, I felt liberated. I felt new. I said, any man that wants me has to find me. I don't do the looking. And I got up and I said, see you later. And I left. You know how uncomfortable that would be to bump into him again? And with 4,000 people on that boat, I saw them almost every night. It's like we all frequented the same places. So that was my first experience. But, oh, I forgot to tell you a very important part of my story. I got to the airport to take the flight to get on the cruise and missed by one minute getting my suitcase checked. Now, I had to be at the boat by 2 o'clock for a 4 o'clock sailing before they lifted up the gangplank. (laughs) I begged and pleaded with that woman. I mean, I had a 7.30 flight, which was going to give me so much time to relax on the boat, become acclimated. So by the time I met these two, I was already stressed to the limit because they were my first night encounter. Well, I got on the next flight because I couldn't take the flight without my suitcase. We'd never know where it would wind up, and I just made it. I sweated bullets the whole time I was sitting on that plane, not knowing if I was going to make the ship. And it was my first time. I didn't know what to do when I got to the ship. You may be a seasoned traveler, you know, like a seasoned cruiser. Not me. I had to do everything by the seat of my pants. I followed the crowd. I felt like a bunch of sheep, and I was the last one. I hadn't even been to my room yet when I sat down and met these two 20-year-old imbeciles that thought they were all that. As I was standing at the railing after I left these two guys, we still hadn't left the port, and I look at the boat that's next to us, And it's the boat that my supposed friend is on. We're all leaving at the same time. And I looked up and really felt that I could see what room he was in. Now, I know that sounds a little crazy. But it's like my eye just drifted right to this balcony room that he said we'd be on the eighth floor on this side of the boat. And I just lifted my arm and gave that room the finger. You know, like. Screw you, I'm here in spite of you. Thanks for the good idea. And then we set sail. I finally, finally got to my room after having a drink. And when I walked in, I can't tell you how happy I was. This room was bigger than I expected. It was like a suite. It had a double-sized balcony. It had a king-sized bed. It had lots of room to walk around in a big bathroom. I would have been happy just staying in my room on the balcony for seven days. I kid you not. It was my own little paradise in a room. Wonderful. 
After I left our conversation with the two young gentlemen and my gay friend, I walked down to check on my excursions that I had set up, only to find long lines of people doing the same thing. As it turns out, every island we were going to changed. We were supposed to go to the Western Caribbean and wound up changing to Eastern because of Hurricane Harvey, and they wanted to steer clear of any powerful storms, winds, and potential danger. All those hours I spent sitting on my couch figuring out one excursion for each island, how to do it, what to do, what to need, what to ask for, I had to start all over again. Then I went up to my room. Can I tell you for the first two days while sailing, before we reached the first island, all I did was dance, dance, and more dancing. I didn't care that I was by myself. In fact, I welcomed it. I got up on the dance floor, which was under the stars on the top of the boat, whenever I heard a song that I liked, and I danced alone, and people would join me, and it became like my thing. Anybody that saw me get up to dance, they'd all get up and dance alongside me, and it was fantastic. I think I really needed to go and be by myself because After going through what I just went through with this long relationship that kept bouncing off and on, I needed to learn that I could be independent and not have to lean on somebody or need somebody to feel whole. And where this could have gone the other way for me, I could have been petrified and not wanted to leave my room because I didn't want to do things alone. I wound up understanding that I am perfectly fine by myself And anybody that I should meet is more of an accent, not an enabler. So the trip wound up being a tremendous life lesson for me. Tremendous. I went to an art gallery that turned into an art auction. I've never been to an auction before. And the bidding begins. They did this secret bid where they put a picture on the easel backwards. So you didn't know what it was. And they started the bidding at $300. Now, that's something I could afford. And there wasn't anything in the gallery that I didn't like. So I waited to see what happened. And somebody immediately shot up with their card. They bid $300. Somebody bid $320. And then I waited and waited until the gavel would strike. And just as he raised the gavel, I bid $340. <laughs> and I won. And it turned out to be one of the two pictures that I really, really loved. What are the odds of that happening? The next thing they did was a raffle where they had a bowl and all our numbers were in the bowl. And the first number they pulled out was mine. I could not believe this. And it was a great picture. I loved it. You know, I've never won anything in my whole life. After the auction was over, I went up and I decided to do a little bit of negotiating. I offered to give them back both pictures if they would truly discount the one that I was in love with. And after hemming and hawing and going back and forth, I felt like I was in a car dealership. She finally agreed and I wound up with the one I wanted. And it's going to be shipped to my house. I'm so excited. When it gets here, I'll take a picture and post it. So many firsts happened on this cruise. Let's talk about my first excursion. Only me. That's what I should call this podcast. 
only me. We went to St. Martin and there was this water device. It's sort of like jet skiing, but it's an inflatable instead that you ride just like a jet ski. And everybody had a partner but me. And I was the last one and we would go in a line following our guide. And I'm not sure what nationality he was. And I mean nothing by what I'm about to say. But these people that work on the islands, they're either French, Canadian, or I don't know what they are. But they look very similar. It's hard for me to tell them apart. And that's not being racist. It's being very candid. Their features are very similar. And so until you know someone's personality, it's very difficult to remember who you've just been talking with. Anyway, this guide was of this nationality. And I was traveling, I guess, about 50 miles an hour. That's as fast as the thing would go. And we finally pull up to this island that looks like it's almost deserted. I thought I saw maybe two or three people. And he says, now's the time you can get off of your devices and swim to the island and enjoy yourself for a little bit. So I jump off. I'm in the water. I'm swimming along. And all of a sudden, I hear him yell out. And I look over and I see the guide about 20 feet from me. And he yells, are you having a good time? And I said, yes, this is unbelievable. The water is crystal blue. And who could ask for a better life than this right now? And he swims over closer to me and I'm still not at the shore. And he says, hey, I've got some vodka. And he opens up one of those little airline bottles and he asks if I want some. I said, sure. So I took a sip of his vodka and I'm thinking to myself, I saw him open that bottle. So I'm okay. (laughs) If my kids saw me do that, they'd have a fit. But we're talking back and forth, and the next thing this man says to me is, you know, on that island, they're having a threesome right now. I said, a threesome? Imagine the look on my face as I'm thinking, in my head, how in the world does he know there's a threesome going on? What does he have, some kind of code that they pass messages back and forth with what's going on on the island versus what's going on on the jet skis? And I'm still a bit baffled by this whole thing. And I said, explain what you mean by a threesome. Like, what are these three people doing? Well, one guy's touching her here and one guy's got her over here and I'm now dumbstruck. I can't figure this out for my life. And he says to me, well, how long are you here for? Because uh, if you're here for a little while, we could join them. I said, I'm only here on an excursion. I've got to swim to the island and swim back. And you should know this. And he says, well, I mean, you look like you're having a good time, but you could have a better time if you come with me now. I said, how do you know this? He says, well, because I live here. I know what goes on here. And then I hear as I'm swimming, as I'm talking to him, and I make it to the island, and I see this statue that I have to take a picture of. It's just beautiful. This is all within a three-minute period. And he's still in the water as I'm stepping on the sand just to take a picture. And I hear, okay, everybody, time to go. Swim back to your water vehicles, whatever they were. And I thought, how is that possible when he's standing right there to my left and at the same time yelling for everybody to get back on their water thingies? And that's when it dawned on me. He wasn't the guide. He was just another guy who looked just like the guide. I get back in the water and I feel like a total idiot. And I said to him, what do you do for a living? 
He says, oh, I'm a gourmet chef with one of the five-star hotels. And he tells me his name, and I realize my blunder. And I say to him, it's been nice. And I swim back, and that was the end of him. And of course, as I'm swimming, I'm thinking, I need to be tested now, because I drank from his bottle. And God only knows where his mouth had been. And as I turned around, as I got back on top of this water-propelling tool ship, boat thing, whatever you call it, jet ski-ish thing. I turned around to see where the guy that was in the water went. And I saw him climbing out of the water onto the sand and he was completely naked. So I'd been swimming with a naked man who had wanted me to join a threesome and make it a fivesome, drank from his bottle and had never felt more like I was 16 again since I was 16. Every night, I ate alone in one of these beautifully decorated restaurants on board. I didn't care if I sat by a window and sort of was far from the crowd, or if they put me right in the middle of the room at a table for four. I was perfectly comfortable in my own skin. I think it's the first time in my life I can ever say that. It really made an impact on me. The next day... I went to the pool, fell asleep, laying on my stomach. And these lounge chairs are packed close together. It's lucky you can even get off the chair, room enough for your feet to stand up and walk into the water. And I woke up and I turned around and there is a man sitting on a chair next to me with the back of his chair up. So we're basically face to face. And he says, good afternoon. And I said to him, and I'm really half asleep. I said, how are you going to explain to your wife that I slept with you today? (laughs) And he starts to laugh. And we had a great conversation. I was just totally uninhibited. Maybe that's the word I've been looking for. I was free with everything I had to say and not in doubt of myself at all. During this whole trip, I had my recording gear with me and I was working. I would run to the room. I would record whatever commercial needed to be recorded. I was checking my board on my phone all day. I paid for the internet package so that I could see what my staff was doing and jump in if need be. And I don't know if that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, but I wanted to be able to stay connected to what was going on at the office, for lack of better words. Another episode, I was dancing by myself inside one of the clubs having such a good time. I'm all dressed up, which I did every night. Heels, dresses, makeup, hair, everything. You never know who you're going to bump into. And as I'm dancing, this very good-looking man comes walking like he's leaving the place. And I'm standing in the middle of the floor, in the middle of people. And I see him walking and my arms are open. And he walked right into my arms. It was like a fairy tale. He just took my arms and started spinning me around and dancing with me. And then it turned into a slow dance and we're sort of, you know, bumping and grinding a little bit. Not over the top, but enough that I could tell there was something going on. And I said, are you here by yourself? And he said, no, I'm here with my wife. I said, where is she? He goes, oh, she's sitting over there. And I'm I'm like, oh, no, no. No, I want to get away from this shit. That's why I'm on this boat. 
I am not going to be part of this craziness ever again in my life. No more other woman syndrome. And I said, well, why is she okay with you dancing with me? And he says, well, because she's into women too. (laughs) Of course, again, can I say it? Only me. The next day, I got to swim with the dolphins. It made my whole trip. They are absolutely precious. I don't care if they can get mean and vicious. To me, they were perfect and soft and smooth. And one of them kissed me. Oh, it was so adorable. And the trainer said, all right, give her a French kiss. And the thing stuck its tongue out. And at that point, he was no longer cute. But everybody gets a bye. (laughs) And that was his bye. After the dolphins, we were invited to just go swim in the ocean, grab a lounge chair and an umbrella, a drink if we wanted. And I went into the water by myself. Maybe that's what I should call this podcast, all by myself. And the next thing, I bump into a guy who was from the same cruise ship. And we're talking, and I asked him who he was with, and he said with his girlfriend. And I said, where is she? And he says, I don't know. You know, one minute we were together, and the next minute I don't see her anywhere. And uh, he tells me his name, and he's wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses. And then it was time to leave, went, got myself dressed up, because guess who was invited to the captain's dinner? And no, I did not finagle that invitation. It was just in my cabin, an envelope with my name that said, congratulations. I was thrilled. I wore all white, white heels, white tight dress, and I'm waiting in line to have this dinner. And some guy comes up to me and says, hey, how you doing? And I have no idea who he is, but this has happened to me maybe three times already on the boat. And I'm thinking, a lot to myself. How do you not have a handle on who you know and who you don't know? And how do they know you when there are 4,000 people on this boat? How do people keep telling you, hey, remember me? Or hey, I know you and I don't remember them from Adam. So I play along like we all do. I said, hi, how are you? How's your day been? Oh, good, great, everything. What are you doing? I said, well, I was invited to this dinner. I have no idea how or why, but I'm going and I'm going to have a good time and it's the captain's dinner and there's only, I think, 18 of us. And he goes, really? And he's walking beside me as we're all walking down the stairs into this private room. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm going to join you. I said, I don't think you can. It has to be by invitation. And don't you know, we have name tags on the tables. I sit where my name is and he sits across from me. And now I'm pretending that I don't know who he is because I don't want to get in trouble. I've been good so far this whole trip. I am not going to allow this man to jam me up. Well, believe it or not, the person that was supposed to be sitting across from me with a name tag never showed up. What are the odds of that happening? He sat there throughout the whole dinner, pretending to be somebody else. I still don't know who he is, imagine. And then... He says something like, remember, you know, in the ocean today uh, when my girlfriend and stopped right there and I looked at him and it dawned on me, this is the guy that I was with today in the ocean who lost his girlfriend. How would I recognize him if he had a baseball cap, sunglasses and no shirt? Come on, I'm not that good. I wound up sitting beside a woman at this dinner who had adopted a couple of girls. 
One was Asian and the other was African-American. But she and her husband had adopted them when they were three and five months old. And this poor girl across from me, I say this before I know the backstory, but she is being bombarded by this guy, the imposter, who's sitting beside her and across from me. He is loud. He's been drinking. He's leaning in front of her to talk to people on her other side. She's giving me daggers, rolling her eyes. She's maybe 19. She's beautiful, but I see the blood boiling inside of her. And I look at the woman beside me, who is her mom, and I can see that she's getting a little bit edgy in her chair. Again, only me. I turned to this woman and I said to her, I hope I don't offend you by what I'm about to say, but I believe your daughter is having a problem. And I don't know if it's an everyday problem or if it's just because she's sitting beside this moron that is overpowering her in her right ear. And she looks at me and she says, you could pick all that up? I said, yes, because I have one of her at home too. I recognize the signs. It's called ADHD. And she starts to laugh where some other woman might have slapped me across my face. She says, you have no idea how severe the ADHD is. We just took her back out of foster care where we had left her for the last three months. She got so out of control, we couldn't handle her. Well, now I'm dumbstruck. I just can't believe this. But then on the other hand, it reminded me, I said, well, there was a time when my child got a full scholarship to college and she was 18 years old and the college was 10 minutes from our house and I still insisted that she dorm there because I couldn't take another day of living with her. So I get you. If I was able to put my kid in foster care back then, I would have done the same thing. (laughs) We're only as good as we get. We can only take so much abuse. But it was a great relationship that I made with this woman. We exchanged numbers. It was good to talk to another woman who had gone through something like I had with one of my kids. And she was wonderful to talk to. Well, I had also recently picked up ping pong again. Maybe like three months ago, I started playing ping pong. I mean, the last time I had played ping pong was in high school. But for some reason, I'm better now than I was then. I don't get it. And I knew there was a ping pong tournament going on on the ship, but I didn't want to be involved in anything that had any signs or symptoms related to stress. I just wanted to relax and enjoy myself while I was working. But after the captain's dinner, I walked up to the top deck and there are these two ping pong tables and playing are two young Asian boys. And I was watching them play. They did all these fancy spins on the top and on the sides of the ball. So it would fly over the net and you would never know how it was going to land or what direction it would go in. I was fascinated that they were that accomplished at such a young age. And I said to them, how about I play the winner (laughs) in my high heels and my white dress? And they said, okay, okay. So one kid starts to play and the other kid, I designate the ball gopher. 
because I wasn't going to run in that white dress and those high heels. Well, he tries his little spin serve on me, and don't you know, I get it. I don't know how. I don't know why my eye sees the ball the way it does, as well as it does, but I returned every single one of his serves, and he couldn't get any of mine. It's like, what's the equivalent for pinball wizard with ping pong? I'm the ping pong wizard. I was so proud of myself that I beat two 12-year-old boys. <laughs> How stupid is that? But they were so much better than me. I don't know what happened to me. There's just something. The same thing happened with racquetball just recently. I'm playing again. Since I was 20, I hadn't played racquetball. And I'm having a hell of a time. A great time. I'm swinging off the back wall. I'm using back serves and I'm hitting the wall low in front so it just rolls out. Where did all this come from? I'm shooting pool again and I'm making shots that are impossible and then I'll miss shots that should be made. So there's no rhyme or reason as to what has happened to me at this age, why things are coming back like muscle memory and why I feel that I can even attempt to do these things. Next, I'll be riding a skateboard. That's the one thing I've wanted to do my whole life. I wouldn't put it past myself at this point. So I played with them for a good half hour and felt ashamed of myself for feeling victory over two 12-year-olds. But, you know, they're good. There's so many things that I did that it's hard to keep things in proper order. There was never a moment that I felt regret for going or hesitation or intimidated. The thing that I gained was more self-confidence. And I think that's what my point is when I talk to you. I'm trying to tell you to go outside of your comfort zone and try something new. Don't let anything inhibit you and stop you from trying that new thing that you may think is above your reach. Because chances are it's not and you may be better at it than you think. What was the last thing you remember doing that you were so passionate about? And it doesn't have to be sex. Maybe you were oil painting when you were 20, 21 years old. Maybe you were taking dance classes. Maybe there was something you were infatuated with that you never had the opportunity to try. This is the time. This is our time. That's what I did. In spite of how I got there, because of this jackass that left me in a bad situation and took the cruise away from me, I still made it work. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Make it work for you, not for your husband, not for your kids, not for your parents, just for you. I don't care how many ways you have to spin the story inside your own head. When you get there, whether it's on a cruise or whether it's bowling, or taking a sewing class, or just getting in your car and going. It will work out, and you will feel like the better person, because you attempted, you made an effort to make yourself better. The outcome of this whole story happened yesterday. I received an email and a text 
from that original jackass that backed out on me with the cruise, apologizing to me, saying, there's another cruise on the 30th. He feels really badly about what he did, and he wants to know if I would like to join him. Now, if you were me, what would you do? Wouldn't the first thing that you would want to do would be to write him back and say, go screw yourself? I mean, you left me in the dust, you fucking moron. That's the first thing I thought of doing. But then I thought to myself, look at everything I learned by going on my own. He actually helped in the long run. I just don't know that I want to tell him that because I don't want him to ever do this to anybody else again. It was cruel. It was almost like bullying holding that over my head, making me worry that he was going to take it away, which he ultimately did. So that's another life lesson I learned here. I'm not ever letting somebody hold something over my head again, no matter what the circumstances, whether it's work and it has to do with a raise or it has to do with getting a new position within my job. If I deserve it and I work for something or something has been offered to me, I will step up and follow through and make sure I get what is rightfully mine. The word rightfully has something to do with it. If a gift is offered and I say, yes, thank you, I expect that person to be a big enough person to follow through and give what is offered, just as I would do for somebody else. I would never offer something and then take it away. Who does that except someone that is totally insecure and unhappy with their own life? Maybe he was afraid that I wouldn't stay by him or do the things he wanted to do. I don't know. But to do that to somebody is so, so wrong. But there's that other side. You know, the glass is half full with me. I did learn a lot by going on my own. And now I don't know if I would want to go with anybody on a cruise because I had such a good time, but especially him. I just don't think I could ever trust him. And when you doubt somebody's integrity, it's really hard to let your guard down and leave the possibility that they might do it to you again. Leopards don't change their spots. I should have learned that from that last relationship I was in. On again, off again, on again, off again, because he wears different clothes, but those leopard spots are all over him. Oh, if my mother could hear me now, you know what she'd say to me? See, you should have listened to me. (laughs) Oh, whatever. (laughs) Until the next podcast, take a pen and a piece of paper and write down all the things you've wanted to do for the last 30 years that you haven't had an opportunity to attack. And then after you write them all down, use the number system, one through five. One is the thing that you want to do the most out of all of them. And go through the list and number each item, one, two, three, four, or five. And then when you're all done, circle the ones that are number one. Then, take those particular desires, the things you want to do, or the things you just want, and do the number system with them. 
but in order of how badly you want to do them. Maybe you want to start with number three and work your way up to number one. Just do it. A sugar mom is a woman who lives a life less ordinary. She makes things happen. Why? Because she can. That's you. There is no reason not to take risks, take a chance, and go back and do the thing you've always wanted to do. Grow. A sugar mom is not afraid of growth. Go. Do what you want to do. This is your time. It's me time. Take advantage of it. You're alive. You're well. You're beautiful. Go for it. I'll talk with you next week. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Why am I number one? Because I thought of it (laughs) and I trademarked it. By the way, download any other episode that you like. They're all free. Leave a comment if you wouldn't mind. Maybe click a couple stars so I know which episode you like more than another. That sort of helps me to know in what direction to talk to you next what subjects you like the most. And by all means, subscribe to the Sugar Mom Podcast. This way it'll just show up on your phone every week. I'd love if you wrote me. If you don't want to write on iTunes, send me an email, robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. Give me an idea of what you want to hear. Let me do some looking up stuff, also known as research. Or maybe you want to come on the show with me. Let's talk. I love having people on the air with me. Maybe you want to tell me about an adventure that you've just taken. Wouldn't that be cool to share that with everybody? Feel free. Right here, you can contact me on the Sugar Mom Podcast on iTunes or Robin Marshall Sugar Mom at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>